Good morning, dears and darlings. My name is Jacob Bean Watson, and welcome to the first of what I hope is to be many episodes of my podcast, Movie Soup. If you came here looking for impassioned reviews and recommendations of movies that have been regarded as good, bad, and everything in between, you came to the right place. If you came to reminisce about movies from the past that are timeless and hold a special place in your heart, hey, I'm here for you. If you came here to hear from an expert, you might want to look somewhere else. Look, I've got no degrees. I got no... I'm not represented by a talent agency or anything like that. I'm not what may be considered a professional actor or writer, um, though I do plenty of writing and acting in my free time. But that doesn't mean I don't have anything to offer. Like plenty of others in my generation, I was raised with easy access to a whole lot of movies. And over the years, my love for a good story led me to a lot of movies. Now, I'm not sure I can articulate what it is that I was drawn to, but maybe over the course of these next few episodes, we can kind of shed some light on the subject. I'd like these next few episodes to be really introductory, so let's uh, maybe help you get to know me a little bit more. Um, So let's start with my childhood, the movies that kind of defined that early period in my life. Uh, This Homecoming episode, by the way, is titled Homecoming. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Spider-Man, so that kind of fits nicely. So Movie Soup is a podcast I hope to keep at a crisp 15-minute runtime since I know we all have lives to live and plenty of other content to consume. Think of this as a quick little hearty serving of some movie-related musings from a guy who can't just shut up about movies. Um, be sure to look at the show notes uh, for links to anything that I may mention. Um, I'm trying to make links really readily available in those show notes. Um, so be sure to check that out. It also gives you just an overview of the entire episode as well. So our first segment, our first episode, is uh, is going to offer three movies from my past that define my childhood, as I mentioned. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon specifically. Uh, you can tell I'm a local because of the way I say Oregon and not Oregon or Oregon. Um, I gotta admit, though, lately I'm really starting to question that pronunciation, um, and it just seems like such a Pacific Northwestern trope to be that stubborn, to where it's like, oh no, we say Oregon, therefore it's Oregon. Um, but who knows? Um, a lot of people's arguments for it being pronounced differently are pretty compelling. So like I said, I've been born and raised in Oregon, lived in a relatively sheltered home, so my childhood movies weren't exactly adventurous. Uh, i give you that disclaimer going forward. Uh, but something I think that most millennials identify with is that we were raised by pretty traumatizing movies, uh, especially by today's standards. One popular go-to movie for me was Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Nice title, right? Um, not to be confused with Finding Nemo. Um, this was, I mean, this was the OG Nemo. Uh, this was a film... I wasn't aware of it at the time, but it was technically my first anime movie because this is a kind of a Japanese-American animated co-production that came around uh, 1989. I didn't see it till years later, of course. Um, a young boy named Nemo who is often lost in dreams. Uh, his parents uh, really give, getting after him about uh, his constant uh, daydreaming and night dreaming and uh, all, all the dreaming. Uh, Nemo has some very vivid dreams that often end abruptly and with Nemo about to befall some serious physical harm. 
Uh, meanwhile, Nemo, along with his rascally flying squirrel Icarus, um, and it's a flying squirrel, so kind of cute. Um, so Icarus, uh, they're invited to visit the. Uh, they are invited to visit the realm of Slumberland, and Nemo is offered the job of personal playmate to the princess herself. So like a royal playmate. Interesting position. Once in Slumberland, Nemo mistakenly unleashes a dark, nightmarish force that threatens to overtake Slumberland in the very realm of dreams. Nemo, along with the princess and several other companions, including Mickey Rooney as Flip a Frightful Fellow, venture into Nightmareland in a quest to save the realm. The animation is really outstanding here. Um, it uh, gave me some serious, like, Studio Ghibli uh, or is it Ghibli? Uh, Studio Ghibli vibes. I'll leave a link for you guys actually in the show notes, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, check out the trailer for uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Come to find out, Hayao Miyazaki was one of the many, 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 many creators that this uh, production passed through. Uh, Little Nemo was apparently in production hell for many years, and pretty much was hot potatoed to every major animation talent at the time i mean chuck jones brad bird george lucas um it's amazing that the movie turned out as well as it did um when you look into it uh not to say it's perfect but it's a solid solid story strong animation and i mean the soundtrack provided uh by the sherman brothers uh which those are the same guys who you probably recognize from all of the earworms at disney uh they did like the mary poppins uh soundtrack and uh, winnie the pooh so all those catchy tunes. Um, I just remember as a kid, I had a lot of vivid dreams and nightmares and was frequently described as a kid who had an overactive imagination. So I can see why I uh, might have identified with this character in particular. And dreams were just always a area of fascination for me, undoubtedly connected to my just, you know, inherent creative instincts, you know. So of course I love dreams. It's uh, it's where you get to fly. Taking a brief detour into the unadult, uh, unadulterated animated escapism, um, I was a frequent watcher of plenty Don Bluth titles, but one of my all-time favorites doesn't come up a lot. It was called Rock-A-Doodle. Now, this came out in 1992, and similar to the Little Nemo situation, it was in production for quite a while. Uh, the main character is a rooster named Chanticleer. Isn't that a great name? Chanticleer? Uh, try spelling it. Not easy. And by the way, Chanticleer is a featured character in the folktales of Reynard the Fox, which was uh, the model for what became Disney's uh, take on Robin Hood. And it was optioned by Walt Disney Studios. Uh, this is back to Chanticleer. Uh, this was the story of Chanticleer was optioned by Walt Disney Studios at one point as a potential project. But it was not until the late 80s, capitalizing on the success of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that Don Bluth, who was himself a, uh, you know, a, a previous Disney animator, he was able to secure the project and even managed to include some live-action aspects into the largely animated movie. I'm betting that was probably his selling point, so that's kind of what uh, turned the production over to him. Chanticleer is a rooster convinced that it is his powerful singing voice, which is provided by country artist Glenn Campbell. He, he thinks that it's his singing voice and his powerful, like, crow that raises the sun. But an evil owl named 
the Grand Duke manages to turn the farm against Chanticleer by portraying him as a phony. He's a phony! Um, disgraced, Chanticleer retreats to the big city where he basically becomes Elvis and is rescued, quote-unquote, by a kid who gets turned into a kitten, a mouse, a bird, and a duck. So not, the kid doesn't get turned into all these things. I'm just saying that there's a kid who gets turned into a cat, and then you have a mouse, a bird, and then there's this dog who just can't seem to tie his shoes. He was voiced by Mr. Thomas O'Malley himself, Phil Harris. I was always a sucker for a good anthropomorphic animal movie with a hip soundtrack, so I can see why I was kind of drawn to this one. And it is definitely one of Don Bluth's more tame movies, which still has plenty of the 90s darkness to provide a youngster with nightmare fuel to, you know, better build his character. Um, I turned out fine. The third and final movie I will mention uh, that was heavily connected to my childhood was another movie to combine live action with animation, and it was called The Page Master. And in fact, it raised the stakes by including some of the first computer-generated animation to be included in a feature-length film. It was uh, kind of, yeah, on the cusp there uh, when Pixar was still kind of working things out. Pagemaster released in 1994, and unlike my previous picks, had a completely smooth production, by the way. Just kidding. Um, Apparently in the 90s, uh, it was a really tumultuous time for animation. Uh, Evidence suggests that issues with the Pagemaster largely stemmed from the budget getting caught up in the uh, narrative changes during animation, which is probably not the best time to be working out story issues, you know, when, when people are... Uh, putting in a lot of time and effort to animate these characters and stuff, and then for you to come along and be like, oh, you know what, actually change this and that. Yeah, um, I understand why uh, budget probably went away at that point. The film stars a kid superstar uh, actor you may have heard of, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is also in here. He plays an eccentric librarian. <laughs> Go figure, Christopher Lloyd playing an eccentric guy? Hello. And uh, this librarian may or may not be more than he appears... Uh, I won't spoil anything. And a voice cast that includes Patrick Stewart. That's right, make it so. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Ah, oh, so great. Um, and Frank Welker. Who dat? Frank Welker. And these three play a trio of walking, talking books. Um, that serve as companions for the Culkin character going through an adventure to find the exit in this magical library. But I'm getting ahead of things. Macaulay Culkin stars as Richard Tyler, a young, fear-filled bespeckled kid who seeks shelter from a storm in a nearby library only to be whisked away to the animated world of literature all the characters and stories depicted are conveniently creations of 1920s and before which made them available in the public domain which basically means that you don't really have to like ask permission to use characters like oh long john silver or uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. These were all old enough characters that you don't have to really like ask permission from the creators to feature it in your movie. There's a very interesting history about uh, Mickey Mouse and uh, public domain. Uh, look into it. There's quite a few articles. Uh, what I love about the Page Master was its encouraging message of like pro-literacy, which gets a bit lost honestly in the spectacle around it all and you have this protagonist that I still identify with I mean Macaulay Culkin like I was uh, 
especially when I was young, I was blonde and had insecurities. And, you know, you know, as a little kid, you identify with fears of the outside world and such. So um, I really liked, uh, really liked that. Also, I loved libraries. I was lucky enough to have a library within like walking distance of my home growing up. And I'd frequently walk to it. So and I'd fill these plastic bags and like eventually got a bike. And anyway, so uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's the page master. All right, we just covered three distinct movies that are heavily connected to my childhood. Once again, those were Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland, available uh, to Amazon Prime members. Rockadoodle, which is free on Tubi and Voodoo, and it's also available for rent on Amazon. And last but not least, you got the Pagemaster, which is available to rent or buy on all the digital streaming platforms and so forth. Well, folks, that's all we really have time for today. It was so great to start things off on such a good note. If you want to stay connected, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jacob Bean Watson. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Movie Soup on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I understand that right now many of us are finding life and the world at large to be a trying and uncertain time. I myself lost a job to the recent pandemic, but I am fortunate enough to still hold down at least one other part-time position, which I'm grateful for. However, if you do find yourself able to spare a dollar or two, please check out my Patreon page, which I will post again as a link in the show notes for you. Movie Soup is a new podcast, so uh, every like, every share, every review helps, and you can always reach me at my email, jbean.watson at gmail.com. Again, that's jbean.watson at gmail.com. Please let me know of any segment suggestions or movies you'd like me to check out and review. Hope you're staying safe, and I look forward to next week, where we will discuss the movies that made up my coming-of-age, so the coming-of-age stories, according to Jacob, uh, on Movie Soup. See you next week, movie superstars. Take care now. Bye-bye, then.